Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to mini episode 244 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have one spooky story for you today and our story comes from the 6th of December 2022 and our story today comes from Michael. My first experience happened when I was a young child and this story isn't something that I can actually remember but has been recounted to me by my mum. At a routine doctor's checkup, I sat on the bed in the doctor's office and proceeded to inform the doctor That's where the dog sits at night, while pointing to the end of the examination bed. The doctor then asked what the dog was called, and my mum had to explain that we didn't actually have a dog at home. I was apparently convinced that a dog visited me at night and spoke about it on a number of occasions, but sadly I no longer have this memory. Now this just could have been all in my imagination, but what makes this even stranger is that when my paternal grandfather was a child, He could vividly remember, on a number of occasions, seeing colourful lights dart across the wall of his bedroom. From the lights appeared a small dog that proceeded to sit on the end of his bed at night. The next story comes from a few years later and involves my younger brother. When I was in my fifth year of primary school, my dad got a new job as a chef in a hotel in the Midlands. For a short time, me, my mum and my brother stayed at our home in the north of England, while my parents sorted out the process of moving house, schools, etc. We would travel to the Midlands each weekend to visit my dad before eventually relocating there. We would stay at the hotel during these visits. The hotel, the Red Lion, was reportedly haunted by the spirit of a woman believed to have been a maid. A photo displayed in the entrance of the building showed the front of the hotel and in one of the windows was the outline of a misty figure. It was always said that no one was inside when the photo was taken. Honestly, it could have been a glare forming the shape or an actual person inside. There were around 30 rooms. Guests would report knocking on their doors, answering said door to be met by no one and occasionally they would hear footsteps walking or running away. One night, when we were staying at the hotel, my mum awoke in the night to find my brother sat bolt upright, having what seemed to be a one-sided, nonsensical conversation. He was facing the shadowy corner of the room. My mum said she couldn't hear or see anything that he was interacting with, and she went on to ask him who he was talking to. He nonchalantly said, The lady, and lay back down and went straight back to sleep. Obviously, my mum was freaked out, and thankfully I slept through the whole ordeal. 
Another story from around the same time happened when my parents were viewing houses in the Midlands before our move. On one occasion, they viewed a property and everything was going great until they got to the stairs. My dad swears that as they turned the corner to the staircase, he saw two pale children sitting on the stairs. They were aware that my dad could see them and they told him that they were sick and had died there. My mum, who was standing by his side, didn't see or hear any sort of interaction. She watched the colour drain from my dad's face as he quickly told the estate agent that the house wasn't for them and immediately called an end to the viewing. My next ghostly encounter came when I was 17 and in college. Me and a small group of guys on my course were talking about ghost stories and experiences. One of the group, Nathan, told us that his house was haunted and that his mum was sensitive to ghostly activity. He told us that his family never used the front door because they'd always see someone standing on the stairs. He said that lights would flicker daily, footsteps could be heard upstairs at all hours of the day, and on occasion, his acoustic guitar would strum itself in the night. None of us believed him because it basically sounded like his home was being harassed 24-7, so how could anyone live like that? Nathan was having none of it, and to prove himself, he said we could all go over to his house during our free period that afternoon. The time came and the four of us got into Nathan's car and off we went. We arrived at the estate and expected an old creepy property, but to our surprise, it was a fairly modern new build, probably no more than five or six years old. We got out of the car and walked up to the drive. Let's go through the front door, one of the guys said. Nathan refused and so we headed to the back gate and entered through the rear of the house. We stepped into the kitchen and closed the door. No one was in the house, his mum was out at work. Everyone stood around waiting for this supposed activity to begin, chuckling nervously and honestly expecting it all to be a sham. As soon as we settled, as if on cue, a large empty fruit bowl began to spin slowly on the spot. We assumed it was on a track and one of the group grabbed the bowl and stopped it and inspected it. The bowl was completely normal, just a standard bowl. The work surface below wasn't wet, causing some sort of sliding phenomenon and we just couldn't explain it at all. The bowl was placed back down and almost immediately began to slowly turn in its place again. The same guy stopped it again, but this time complained of a shooting pain travelling up through his arm. He let go with a wince, and the bowl stayed still. Out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something moving on the kitchen table. At the centre of the table were two ornate candelabras with thick fabric tassels dangling from them. Imagine the hilt and crossguard of a sword, it was that sort of shape. The tassels were swinging violently and erratically. No one was standing anywhere near that table. We thought maybe it could be a draft from when we first came into the room but the curtains, nets and other things you'd expect to move in a breeze or draft were still. Starting to get a little freaked out and uneasy, we moved to the living room and sat down on the sofa and the chairs. Nathan instructed us to be silent and listen for movements upstairs. We heard nothing, thankfully. To prove the validity of his claims, Nathan decided to turn on the lights and lamps in the room. As soon as he began to talk about his haunting, all the lights began to flicker and strobe. It was weird and seemed kind of unnatural, 
They dimmed and returned to their full brightness without pattern or cause. There was also no noticeable dimmer switch or remote control. At this point, Nathan said that sometimes the door to the hall became stuck and wouldn't open, almost as though some unseen force pushed back from the other side. He went over to the door and tried to twist the knob to open the door. He said it wouldn't move, but honestly, I think he was just playing it up to add some extra drama. All of us were too scared to try for ourselves, so we'll never know what was going on with that. All of a sudden, after a few more moments of theatrical living room lights, we heard heavy footsteps running down the stairs at pace. We didn't stick around to see if anything or anyone was about to burst through the door into the living room and we hastily made a move back into the kitchen, thinking we were a bit more safe now. The door behind us to the living room slammed and we thought fuck it and ran out the back door. All a little shaken and nervous, we noticed the outdoor security light randomly blinking on and off as we walked up the driveway and back to the car. We were convinced that Nathan's house was haunted after that. Around the same time, I also had a part-time job in a supermarket working two days a week in the evenings after college. One evening, sometime just before 9pm when the shop closed, I was walking around the aisles to make sure that any customers were making their way to the checkouts. I saw a woman walk past the end of the aisle and disappear behind a big stack of promotional crates of cola. She was wearing a long dress, like a light-coloured linen-type garment, and she kind of just glided by, rather than the jolty bob of how someone would usually walk. I presumed she went down the alcohol aisle and so I followed to inform her that the shop was about to close. The aisle was empty and so was the next one along. I have no idea where this person went and it turned out that the entrance to the shop had already closed so no one else had come in or out. All the staff wore a uniform and the clothes the woman was wearing weren't a close match at all. My next story takes place about a year later. I had started university and was living in student accommodation on the campus. After the initial few weeks of partying had subsided, lessons began and things got somewhat quieter. We began to notice strange things on our floor of the apartment block. At night, when everyone had gone to their individual rooms, we would hear footsteps walking from one end of the hall. They would start at the main door and continue all the way up the long corridor. My room was at the very end and there was a large floor-to-ceiling window that looked out onto the campus. These footsteps didn't seem to stop and sounded as though they almost continued past my room, despite that being physically impossible. Each time anyone looked to see if there was a prankster or a visitor, the corridor was empty. As the weeks went by, more strange occurrences began to happen. We would experience loud bangs like someone was trying to break into our apartment. It sounded like relentless hammering against the main entrance door. Each time we heard the bangs, someone would approach the door, check the peephole and no one was outside. We lived on the first floor and there was a heavy second fire door beyond this, so it's unlikely that wind had blown up the stairs through a thick fire door and caused our door to bang and shake so aggressively. Unusual activity also happened in the kitchen. We never saw this, but it sounded like cupboard doors would open and close, banging against their shelves in succession. One time, when everyone had gone home for the Christmas holidays, one of my flatmates, Chris, intended to stay behind for a couple of extra days. On the first night, he heard the kitchen erupt into an explosion of noise, banging of doors and other unexplained sounds. 
Too scared to check, he simply locked the door to his room, drank about six cans of Strongbow and went to sleep. He went home the next morning and nothing was out of place in the kitchen. The most dangerous thing to happen was when we found that all eight hobs across the two electric ovens had been turned up to full, emanating that glowing red-orangey colour. This happened a couple of other times and we all thought it unlikely that someone would have accidentally left all of the hobs on at their highest temperature. Personally, my worst experience happened in the middle of the day when I was alone in the flat. I was in my room and behind me, reflected in the mirror, was the upper half of a male figure. He had short shaved hair and a face that was drained of colour, almost grey, and a kind of annoyed expression. I noped out of there and went to sit in the kitchen until someone else got back. When my friend finally arrived, I told them what I had seen and we went to check out my room. I'd left the radiator on, but the whole room was icy cold apart from a small area around the radiator. I never saw anything again, but the noises continued for the rest of the academic year until we eventually moved out. I later met a student in the year above who had lived in our flat the previous year. She told me that one night she'd woken up to see the figure of a man with a shaved head stood at the end of her bed staring at her. She hid under the covers and when she looked back he had disappeared. My final ghost experience happened after uni when I was in my mid-twenties. I was working at a TV studio. Shopping TV, nothing too exciting. If you were on the rota for the final shift of the day, which finished at around 11.30pm, you and another colleague were responsible for locking the building and setting the alarm system before heading home. We had finished our respective jobs for the evening, and me and my colleague were expected to lock up the building and go home as usual. We closed the shutters, secured the external doors, checked that everyone had left and tried to set the alarm. This was usually a straightforward ordeal. On this unassuming night, we were unable to activate the alarm system as the control panel said there was motion detected in the back of the building. It was kind of like a big warehouse, so lots of places where people could have been and maybe we had just missed them. We had just checked and no one was in the building, but we went to check again a bit more thoroughly and still there was no one there. We tried the alarm again and no luck. There was a contact number to call the alarm company if we had any problems, so my colleague called the number and explained what was happening. She had the phone on loudspeaker and I followed the technician's instructions on the control panel. Suddenly, the phone went silent and the technician's voice was replaced by horrific growls and snarls. There were no words, just the kind of noises you'd expect to hear during an exorcism in a horror film. We ended the call very freaked out and wanted to leave. We couldn't because the alarm still wasn't set. Eventually we managed to reconnect to the technician and the problem was resolved. The motion detectors weren't picking up anything now and relieved we could hastily leave. The noise could have just been static or a disruption to the phone signal, but either way it was unsettling coupled with what the motion sensors had detected. The next morning I woke up and looked in the mirror. I had three really fine scratches across my cheek and my nose. They weren't that deep, but enough to break the skin. It looked as though a cat had scratched my face in the night, and they took a couple of days to completely heal. There was a cat at home, but I'm allergic to them, and had to keep them out of my room and generally just keep a distance from them if I wanted to be able to breathe properly. 
There was no chance that this was the cause unless a cat secretly broke into my room, carefully scratched my face without waking me, and then closed the door on the way out. I'm now in my early 30s and I haven't seen or experienced any other unexplained activity since. Hopefully it'll stay that way. But I also have that morbid curiosity to experience something else possibly paranormal. Ah, the eternal dichotomy of human beings, where we don't want to experience anything too scary, but we also kind of secretly want to experience scary things. It's always the same. And just to say, if you can hear like a droning in the background, somebody on my street has decided to chainsaw something. Um, I don't know what it is, but it's it's very annoying. My street has been very loud the last couple of days while I've been recording episodes, and it's very frustrating. I need a big, like, woman at work sign. Please be quiet, just to put out onto my street when I'm recording. I don't think that I would mind a visit from a ghost dog who came from lights in the wall. I don't think I would be that upset by it if the ghost dog came and sat on my bed at night time. You know, of all ghosts to have to deal with, I think a ghost dog wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. How interesting though that both you and your grandfather experienced the same thing as children. And I looked up the Red Lion Hotel and I I very naively just googled the Red Lion Hotel haunted and I thought, yeah, that surely that'll I'll find it. And I found this Red Lion Hotel that was incredibly haunted. The whole website has a dedicated bit to all about the hauntings. It was like 800 years of mystery. Guests report footsteps, blah, 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 blah. Yet not in the right place. Not in the right place at all. So apparently there is more than one haunted Red Lion Hotel in England, which makes sense because the Red Lion is probably one of the most common hotel slash pub names in England. So, Michael, I would love to know where in the Midlands this hotel was because I'm I'm just curious to look it up and see what the backstory is. Let me tell you, though, if I woke up in the middle of the night sharing a hotel room with children and one of them was sitting bolt upright having a conversation with nothing in the shadowy corner of the room, that kid would be flung headfirst out the window, picked up by the scruff of the neck and just flung out the window into oblivion never seen again and imagine viewing a house right and i seem to be getting a lot of stories about house viewings lately and it's definitely since we did that call out about real estate agents like imagine viewing a house and you turn a corner and there's two freaky kids just sitting on the staircase you'd be like uh sorry am i am i adopting these children with the house do they come with the house do they live here are they ghosts are they interdimensional beings what is happening here I would also immediately call an end to the viewing because that'd be enough for me. Moving house is a stressful enough endeavour as it is without adding in the twins from The Shining into the mix. And then we moved on to Nathan's story, the haunting of Nathan's house. And I can just imagine how this situation would happen, right? Because, you know, you're young and you're having this conversation when you're in college. You're having a, a chat about like, oh, has anybody ever had a ghostly experience? Has this happened to you? Has that happened to you? Etc. Etc. And then obviously this guy tells this story about like, well, my house is currently haunted. And of course, you're going to want to prove it. If I was Nathan, I'd be wanting to prove it because you know that people aren't going to believe you. You know that people are going to be like, yeah, bullshit, as if that's actually true. And to be able to prove it in that instant must have been very validating for him. Much and all as I would hate living in a house with a ghost, I would feel, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> thank goodness you have shown yourself to these guys who didn't believe that this was really a true thing. And it does make me wonder, like, how many people are 
just living in haunted houses, just tipping about their daily life going, well, I don't really have a choice but to be here. I don't want to be living in a house with this, but I can't afford to move or I, for whatever circumstances, can't leave this house right now. And you're just sort of living there alongside this spirit or this entity and you don't maybe have the means to get somebody in to help you or you might not necessarily know who to turn to to get somebody in to help you with that haunting. I bet there's loads of people just knocking around in haunted houses. That apartment that you lived in 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 uni sounds absolutely terrifying. It also reminds me of, I know there's lots of uncanny listeners out there that also listen to real life ghost stories but you know the episode of uncanny where the guy is in college he's in university i think it's in belfast and all of that freaky shit happened in the university accommodation like doors rattling doors slamming really heavy footsteps running up and down the corridors and university is really a time when you're kind of you're stuck with the accommodation that you have like you don't really you generally don't have the money to change accommodation and often you just you're just there and going to your university and saying oh my house is haunted they're not likely to move you very quickly and it's not just sounds it's not just slamming of presses and footsteps and banging of doors and the doors shaking aggressively it's also physically seeing that terrifying reflection in the mirror that is then later validated by somebody else who had lived in the house previously and the fact of the matter is is that loads of people experience this too it wasn't just one singular person it wasn't just Michael on his own saying these things are happening this is what I experienced everybody in the apartment experienced different things at different times and do not even get me started on that phone conversation with the alarm technician that sounded like something from an exorcism in a film. I would just 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 expire. I would not be able to cope with those kind of noises coming through the phone. Oh no. No, no, no. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's static. I don't care if it's somebody playing a joke. I would simply expire on the spot. I would be petrified. All in all, Michael, it sounds like you've had some pretty uh, pretty freaky experiences. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Michael for sending in your story. Remember, the last story came from the 6th of December, 2022. And if you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for extra content, you can sign up to Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash reallifeghoststories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad-free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.